Dr. Hooker, you recently made headlines in Cincinnati for your role in saving the life of a man who had a heart attack on the plane you were on. Could you share with us what it was, what you saw, and what your immediate response was? So he actually had sudden cardiac death. He didn't actually have a heart attack, but his heart stopped beating from an extra heartbeat, probably. And uh, so he went into cardiac arrest. And I was just sitting in my seat up uh, towards the front of the plane, and all of a sudden someone screamed out, he's having a heart attack. And uh, so I ran back there, and he was in cardiac arrest. He was blue. He was still sitting in row in seat F uh, in cardiac arrest, had no pulse, not breathing. And so I pulled him out of his seat and down into the floorboard so that I could start CPR, I kind of had to drag him so that his head was in front of C and his feet were in front of D through F and his chest was in the center where we could get to him to do CPR. A uh, pediatric plastic or pediatric surgeon, excuse me, a lady helped me and she knew CPR. So we started and um, then we asked for an AED and after about two to three minutes of CPR, we were working to apply the AED and he regained a pulse. And actually, uh, by the time we landed, he had woken up and was talking to us. And uh, so it was very exciting uh, that uh, we were able to save him. And had nobody acted, he would have been dead. Uh, You only have four to six minutes tops to save a life. That is an incredible experience. Now, what were the other passengers doing while you were doing that? Once I was back there and taking care of him, the other passengers were very respectful. Nobody pulled out their cell phone. Nobody filmed it. You know, it was everybody was just in shock and just sat there and let us take care of him. Um, But when I got back there to take care of him, it was the typical scene that I see. Everybody was just looking at him. And you can't you've got to act. This is the time is of the essence. If you can start CPR within a minute or so you might save up to 90% of people. And every minute that you go by, it decreases maybe down to 60% after a couple of minutes. And then after you get to past four to six minutes, not very many people survive. And this is a tragedy in the United States. Uh, Only about 40% of people get CPR before EMS gets there. If you wait for EMS, the patient's going to die. Almost nobody survives. It's way below 5%. Why do people not intervene? Well, there's a number of reasons that people don't do CPR. The biggest one I hear is, I was afraid I would hurt them. They're dead. You cannot make them more dead, okay? And I tell everybody, any CPR is better than no CPR. And people are like, well, I I don't know how to do it. Well, I can train somebody in five minutes how to do it. You just put your heel of one hand in the center of the chest, put the other hand on top, and start pushing. We got rid of mouth-to-mouth breathing. That has been shown actually to have lower survival rates. You're like, why? And the reason is is that you are sucking in 21% air. You're blowing out 20 or 16% oxygen, I mean. 20 in 21% oxygen, blowing out 16% oxygen. And almost none of that gets down there to the alveoli, so you don't really give any oxygen. So what we need is the blood still has 16% oxygen in it. So if you will pump it around, the body can extract it down to all the way to zero. 
So we have eliminated mouth-to-mouth. It's gone. We don't want it done in adult CPR. And the survival rates are at least four times higher, maybe even more than that, uh, with compression-only or hands-only CPR. I read that most of the cardiac arrest cases tend to happen in residences. So that would suggest families should be... Tell us about that. Well, it's 75% occur in the home. And there was just a a report uh, of an Indiana lady that her husband went into cardiac arrest and she saved his life. Uh, And by doing CPR until the police arrived and then EMS arrived. And we really need this. If you don't, if nobody does CPR and waits for EMS, you basically, everybody dies. Almost everybody dies. And so it's one of these things that you might be saving your brother, your mother, your your wife, your husband. Uh, there was a, a lady, uh, I've forgotten where, um, her 16-year-old daughter went into cardiac arrest, and she did CPR. And then they applied an AED. And guess what? She's alive right now. And she had had one of those sudden cardiac deaths. They don't know why she did. She didn't have a heart attack. She just, her heart stopped beating. No, I was going to say, you know, the famous uh, football player, DeMar Hamlin, right, whose life was saved here in Cincinnati by the amazing care given to him at the University of Cincinnati. I'm so proud of that, okay? But had not the person started CPR, the, the trainer started CPR on the field, he might not have made it. So this is where this is, we call it the chain of survival, and it starts with bystander CPR. If nobody does that, almost nobody survives. How do you determine, and, and this is obviously a, a question that comes you know, just, just from my head right now, you don't want to start CPR if someone is clearly alive. I mean, say if someone has had a heart attack but not arrest. Right. right. How do you so determine? Very simple. If the patient is breathing, don't do, don't do anything. Don't don't you can dial nine one one. If they are blue and not breathing, assume they're in cardiac arrest and start CPR. You don't need to get a note from God or anything else. You don't need anything else to determine. You just look at them. I mean, all of us can look at somebody and see they're not breathing. You don't check a pulse anymore. We don't want you to. I did on the flight because I'm a physician. Okay, that's fine. But for the bystanders, please don't try to determine whether they have a pulse. If they're not breathing, they're in cardiac arrest. Just start CPR. Understood. Now, I understand at Xavier University where you teach, you oversee a program that teaches students how to do CPR. Tell us about that. So I call it Xavier Has a Heart. And um, so I, in my classes, I teach medical terminology and clinical medicine uh, in the undergrads and grads. And I train them in CPR, which takes 10 minutes now because you're only doing compressions. And then I require each one of those students to do service learning, and they have to train 10 more people, friends, family. And we're, we're close to 10,000 people trained. All right. Uh, tell us about the Bee Gees and Staying Alive. So that song, that's how fast we want you to go. Bum, 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 staying alive, staying alive, and that's how fast you have to be. And I, had, I was teaching a CPR class to a corporation today, 
and it was probably about 300 people. And what I was telling them was, you know, it's it, they were like, well, maybe I, I can't push down as hard as, you know, the big guy next to me. Well, any CPR is better than no CPR. They're dead. Okay. So just push as hard as you can push. And you may be the reason this person survives. Dr. Hooker, what first got you interested in CPR back? Was it before your career? Was it in your training? Yes. What, 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 what caused that? So I was, uh, they, the American Red Cross, the American Heart, God bless them, uh, you know, were starting to do bystander training, layperson CPR training in the early 1970s, probably about 1974. So I signed up to learn CPR and be an instructor. And I was, I've been an instructor. I, I stopped once I became a doctor. I didn't, you know, continue the card. But, um, and, and that actually brings up an important point here. You don't need a CPR card to do CPR. So the patient in cardiac arrest doesn't care whether you have a MasterCard visa discover or a CPR card in your wallet. They just need you to do CPR, and you're covered by the Good Samaritan laws in every single state and in many countries around the world that if you go to help someone, you're covered and you can't be sued for trying to help them. So please don't worry about having a CPR card. And now that we've made it so simple for adults, which is 95% of the cardiac arrest, okay, all you've got to do is compressions, and all you've got to do is do it. In your own experience, now you're a medical professional, you're highly trained, but that kind of aside for the moment, what goes through your mind, your heart, when you realize you just saved someone's life? Well, I mean, I feel blessed by God to be a doctor. Um, it is a true blessing uh, to have had the training. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes you feel great when you save a life. Um, and, uh, it always, as I always say, it always takes a team. Uh, when I, we save a life in the emergency department, it takes a team, you know, it's, I might be leading the team, but I can't do it by myself. And I, at, on this plane, I had a pl uh, pediatric surgeon help me do the CPR. So, you know, it takes a team. Right. Have you been told any success stories from people that you have trained with word getting back to you about something good that happened? I have actually one of my students that went through my Xavier has a heart training in class uh, was at church here in Cincinnati and a lady went into cardiac arrest and he and an ER doc who actually also graduated from Xavier uh, in undergrad uh, started CPR and the lady goes to church still at that church. She survived. And, uh, you know, he's been retrained a few times with CPR since my training, but it's the whole point is you got to have that first training and then you got to every so often, if you're not sure, have someone give you a refresher. Right. Dr. Hooker, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us. Uh, listen, my pleasure. And, and thank you for running this up. Maybe we'll get more people doing bystander CPR. Sounds good to me. All right. All righty. Take care.